out there, podcast land. You have such a dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino. Episode 155. My guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino. 7-1 UFC lightweight Evan the Phenom Elder. What an incredible interview with this guy. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. He's super, he's a young guy, but he's super well-spoken. He's got a great perspective on life. Really, really cool interview. Can't wait for you guys to check that one out. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. We're going to have just really quickly the results from uh, my favorite pro boxer, Bud Crawford's title defense last night. We're going to have a big Rhino Gang roundup from both Bellator and LFA. Our full UFC 282 recap. <clears throat> Excuse me, of course, our famous drops of the night. Picks for UFC Vegas 66. I think it's UFC Vegas 66 this upcoming week. Some fire Q&A with the Rhino Gang and then the aforementioned UFC lightweight Evan Elder goes to fire 10 rounds of Rhino. So, without further ado, APB. Let's get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So last night from his hometown of Omaha, Nebraska, my favorite boxer in the world in the pound for pound number one, Terrence Bud Crawford got the TKO in round six over David, and I'm going to say his name right, Avan Essien, Essien, ah, shit, I'm not going to say it right, (laughs) at 140, 47-pound title fight again until he fights Errol Spence Jr. I'm just not super interested and what goes on at 147, and he's my favorite fighter. I love Bud Crawford, and I don't blame him. We'll just leave it at that. All right, so let's go ahead and do our Rhino Gang roundup, which there is a lot of Rhino Gang roundup. Yee-haw! <laughs> oh, God, I love the fucking whip crack at the end of that. It's so funny. Okay, so our first fight was Cody Davis at LFA 148 from Commerce, California at 125 pounds. Cody beat Alvo Parado by submission in the first round, so big ups to Cody. Of course, our boy El Machete, Richie Miranda, got the UD over James Wilson, um, also at LFA 148 at 155 pounds. Moving into Bellator 289 from Connecticut, we had Kai Kamaka the third get the TKO in the third round over Kevin Bowen. This was a fun fucking fight, dude. Like, Kai was just annihilating Kevin's legs with leg kicks, great punch combinations, really, really good fight, fun fight. Moving into 185, Dalton Rasta got the unanimous decision over Anthony Adams, 30-27 to 27 by times three, just completely dominated the fight. Great job for Dalton. And then the first of our two title fights, our girl Liz Carmouche put all the haters to bed and got the second round submission over Juliana Vasquez with that beautiful armbar. She was like sitting on her, essentially, up against the cage, pulled that armbar off at a very weird and interesting, cool angle. So big ups to Liz Carmouche. Awesome, awesome. And she is still your 125-pound champion over there, Bellator. And then, oh, one of the more satisfying wins of the fucking week. Rafion Superstats got the unit. I'm sorry, got the split decision over Danny the Shit Talker, also known as Kobe Covington Light Sabatello. Um, basically, the fight was every time it was on the feet, Rafion was getting the better of him, landing harder shots. Danny was able to take Rafion down and hold him down a lot, but not do a whole lot with the position. If essentially, Rafion got the split decision off of his striking prowess over Danny Sabatello's wrestling. So, yes, 135-pound champion Rafion Superstats, 125-pound champion Liz Carmouche, Rhino gang, 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 gang. Our gang went 7-1 over the weekend over all the uh, landscape of mixed martial arts, which is so fucking cool. I loved it. Big ups to all those guys and gals. Fucking amazing. All right, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the matter, as we like to say around here. We had UFC 282, the final pay-per-view of 2022. Our first fight was Cameron Simon versus Steven Kozlo, the very late replacement. <clears throat> Kozlo did a good job in the beginning, got a uh, got a nice takedown. And then, like, for the next couple of rounds, it was just scramble fest, dude. One guy would take the other one down, and then would roll out of it and reverse it, and so on and so forth. There was a couple of submission attempts for both guys. Long story short, in the third round, uh, Cameron got the beautiful fucking combination, which really hurt Steven and got the TKO in the third for that one. Moving into our second fight, we had downtown TJ Brown. From what state is he from uh, there, APB? I believe it's my state, Arkansas. He's the Arkansan I claim. (laughs) (laughs) The Arkansas fighter that we all love over here at the Rhino Gang, TJ Brown. Versus Eric Silva coming off of his contender series uh, win and contract. TJ hurt Eric with the first punch that he fucking threw. It fucking <laughs> cracked Eric, put him back into the cage. And, and from that point on, it was really like they would stand up for just a, a little flurry here and there. And then it was a lot 
lot of grappling, a lot of cage control, a lot of pressure. Um, not the most exciting second round. The first round was really good. Not the most exciting second round, but then in the third, fucking TJ Brown slapped on that fucking beautiful arm triangle, choked Eric Silva out. Submission in the third round for TJ Brown to 145 pounds over Eric Silva. Oh, man, was that awesome. So, Rhino, gang, so gang, good. gang for TJ. It was so good. All right, moving into our third one. We had, uh, This was a good fight. Alex Hernandez versus Billy Quarantillo, or Billy Q, as he's more commonly known. So, Alex Hernandez was kicking his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first round, he was landing almost everything he threw, threw a big fucking takedown into it. Billy got up, but then another takedown into an arm triangle attempt, some hard ground and pound. Billy's face was fucked up. He had a big cut on his fucking eye. I mean, he was he was in bad shape from one of those elbows from Hernandez on the top. But then in the second round, holy shit, Billy could totally flip the script, started landing these long combinations, right hook, left hook, uppercut. I mean, fucking beautiful. A couple of knees just really lit up Alex Hernandez. And then finally the referee was like, you've had enough. Second round TKO for Billy Q over Alexander the Great. Hernandez <laughs> at his uh, drop down to 145. So big win for Billy Q. All right, our, our next one is, uh, what is it, the fourth fight? Yep. Chris Curtis, the action man, versus Joaquin Buckley. Joaquin was far more active in the first round. He was landing kicks and punches. Nothing devastating, but he was just throwing a high volume and landing here and there. And Chris Curtis kind of seemed to be sitting back in the cut, waiting for the fucking counter. And it was so funny. And APB, you can verify, like, in the group chat, I'm like, why is Chris Curtis waiting so much? Let's move to his nickname and become the action man. Like, no shit. No sooner did I say that, but he fucking landed two amazing uh, left you. hands. Which fucking, yes. Yeah, I hope so. And then he put Joaquin uh, down and out. Second round TKO for the action man, Chris Curtis at 185. Wow. What a fucking fight. That was awesome. Moving into our fifth fight, which was Edmund Shabazian versus Dolce Lukambula. Um, Edmund hadn't won a fight since 2019. He has left what he called the toxic environment of being under, uh, of being under other the other coach Edmund from over there in Glendale, California, and he was kind of had a new lease on life. He looked great, crisp jabs early, some nice body kicks from him. Dolce himself, first of all, Dolce's legs are ridiculous. Uh, they his his up. shorts couldn't even stay down. They're so big. <laughs> his shorts were <laughs> like, I give up. I can't cover this leg. Right. Right. I think he can leg press a boulder. I mean, this guy's <laughs> legs are so strong. And he fully was kicking Edmund in the body with a couple of really nice body shots for uh, for Dolce with the, with his kicks. Um, and then pretty much in the, in the second round, Edmund started landing more combinations. He really fucking surprised everybody with that flying knee. Hit yep. Dolce in the head, hurt him bad. Sent him back. Got on top of him, was landing some more shots. Once once Dolce turned over to like that all fours position, then Edmund started landing shots from behind, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. Then finally the referee stopped the fight. Second round TKO for Edmund Shabazian over Dolce Luciambula. All right. Let's get into our sixth fight, which was, oh, God, so good. <laughs> Jerezinho Rosenstrike versus Chris Daukis. Okay. <laughs> I can pretty much, I'm probably going to talk longer than the fight actually lasted for this. Yeah, it didn't last like, that very long. No. They come out, they touch gloves. Uh, Biggie Boy lands a fucking hard uh, jab that hurt Chris, kind of stumbled him, sent him back into the cage. And then Jerezino smelled blood in the water, came in, just flurrying on him, dude. Chris goes down. He, you know, he tries to shoot him for a double. Jerezino just steps back, lands some more shots. Chris stands up and then starts like stumbling back across the cage. Jerezino goes literally. Sprinting after him <laughs> like he was his prey and landed a quick left. I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna call it a left hook, but it was really more of like a left straight from across the body, though, because they were they were like in mid-run and that knocked Chris down and out. Fucking 23 seconds into the first round. Holy shit. That was Jared so Senior fun. Moses, oh my gosh. I mean a running yeah. KO. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like a full <laughs> KO. Fucking unbelievable. So good. <laughs> All right, so that was our sixth fight at 265 pounds. Let's move into our seventh fight. We had another member of the Rhino gang, Jay Perrin, the Joker, versus the very young um, grappler out, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. And then this one, we didn't have to wait for long for this one either. As soon as the fight started, there was a couple shots, and then Rosas took Jay Perrin down, transitioned to his back, and then very patiently worked his way in for that rear naked choke. Once he got it slapped on at 244 in round one, Jay Perrin tapped out. Raul Rosas Jr., the young 18-year-old, gets the win at 135 pounds there. 
You would well, never you know. Are. You would never know that he's as young as he is. And I really hope somebody buys his mama a van because he doesn't need to spend his money on that. They need to give him his mama a van and then pay him also. Don't you think? I, I love that idea, first of all. Second of all, I thought it was funny when they asked him in the post by presser, like, do you have your license? He's like, no, I don't need it. He's like, my mom or my brother drive me everywhere. My brother's like my Uber driver. I was like, <laughs> all right. I mean, you should learn how to drive just as a skill in life. But if you don't right. want to do that right now, whatever. He's only 18. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So, yeah, somebody out there, <clears throat> some local car company or something, give him uh, give him and his family a minivan. That's what he needs. That sounds awesome. So, yes, big win for him. Moving into one that you and I both savored very, very much last night, APB. The opening fight of our main card, <laughs> Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tapuri. Christmas came early for me right now. <laughs> for both of us on that one. Let's just savor this for a moment, shall we? I'm going to breathe it in. Okay. So, Ilya came out and landed like some really hard shots early, hurt Bryce. Towards the end of the first round, Bryce kind of almost had like a desperation shot. We all know he's a very good grappler. He's got good takedowns. So, he did get Ilya down. Didn't do hardly anything with it, right? In the second round, Ilya takes takedown defense was on point. Bryce tried to take him down two or three times. Ilya just fucking sprawled out, got out of the way. And then, dude, a big shot hurts and cuts open Bryce, who gets fucking dropped. Ilya jumps on top, and I'm like, no, stay on the feet. What are you doing? That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, he's going to ruin it here. But he right. didn't because he's so much better than Bryce. Yes. And so, like, he gets on top. Um, they Bryce got back to his feet, but then they go back down. He's fucking he being Ilya slaps on the arm triangle. So another arm triangle submission victory. The second round, Ilya Tapuria over Bryce Mitchell, 145 pounds. Holy shit, that was awesome. I was fucking going. I, I mean, literally Beautiful. when he followed him to the ground, I'm like, don't follow him to the ground. <laughs> I know, me too. But it ended up being awesome because like he. He finished Bryce the way Bryce finishes people. I mean, it that's it's just it was a good old fashioned ass whooping is what that was. And did you hear what Elias said he was gonna do to Bryce before the fight? Did you hear? No, that? what he what he said. Quote? What he said. Okay. He said, I'm gonna smash his head and leave it as flat as he thinks the earth is. <laughs> and that's pretty much what he did. I mean, he didn't knock him out, but he beat him up. And he I love fucked it. his world up, and that was awesome, and we both loved it. All right, moving into our ninth fight. This was a really fun one, too, dude. The first round was as dominant as, as a first round as you, you could possibly have. Uh, Deriscus Duplicius, or DDP, for yeah. it's easier for me to say. Uh, DDP versus Darren Till, 185. DDP gets Darren down early and just unloads on him forever. And I know that it's already been shown on Twitter a bunch of times, but it really is true. It was 60 to nothing to start that fight as far as strikes go. I couldn't believe I, I couldn't believe they didn't stop it. I mean, he was just yeah. like using oh Till's God. head as a punching bag against the cage. I know, right? And then fucking Darren Till, you know, to his credit with his toughness, he stayed at it. And then in the second round, Till he came, came back. back. I know. He I couldn't believe it. He had a rear naked choke attempt. I mean, his solid left left right hand combo. Uh, DDP looked really really tired um, in the second. Did get another takedown, but then in the third round they were both tired. Right, they were both exhausted. Really, mm -hmm. DDP seemed to have a little bit more in the tank. He got the big takedown. Uh, got on Darren's neck. Got the rear naked choke in the third round. What a fucking fight out. We, dude, Darren Till, he's probably done. I mean, he's lost a bunch of row. He's he needs he's to probably be done with the UFC. Yeah, he may end up over in Bellator or or bare knuckle or something. But holy shit, what a fucking fight between DDP and Darren Till there. All right, moving into the replacement fight, which we're all well. You know what? Let's let's temper this by saying you and I are both huge Robbie Lawler fans. Glad it wasn't I'm Robbie. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't Robbie. Exactly. So Santiago Ponsonibio originally scheduled to face Robbie Lawler, ended up taking on late replacement, very tough veteran Alex Morono. And Alex made a great showing of himself in the first. I thought rounds. he was going to win uh, at one point. I thought he, I thought he had it. He was moving forward. He was landing more combinations. He was getting out of the way of Ponsonibio. Made Ponsonibio looking kind of slow. And Ponzi, I thought, was getting fatigued really bad. So in the first round, I thought Morono was landing better. Again, I gave him the first two rounds, 10-9. And then in the third round, 
Ponsonivio you know, hit him with a really hard straight that seemed to really stiffen him up and made his legs go stiff. And he's kind of wobbling and he's moving backwards a little bit. And then Santiago just storms forward another right hand, clean on the chin, puts Alex down, a couple of hammer fists, referee pulls him off. Santiago Ponsonivio gets a TKO in the third round over Alex Morono, who again took the fight on one week's notice, but it is still a TKO in the third at 170 pounds for Ponzi over Morono. All right. APB. Now, I'm not like a super patty hater. Like, I don't hate him a lot of the way that people. I am. I, I hate him. I Especially know. after this week, after the aerial stuff. I'm just <clears throat> like, really, dude? I don't hate him the way that a lot of other people do. I'm not a humongous Jared Gordon fan either. Me neither. So to me, I just wanted to see a good fight. I wanted to see a good back and forth fight. To me, and to a whole lot of other people, I'm going to say the vast, vast, vast majority, up to like the 95 to 98%. Jared Gordon won minimum two rounds of this fight. Uh, Jared, yeah. Gordon's left, Jared Gordon's left hand was landing almost at will. That's what uh, I had two rap- rounds. Yeah, two rounds of one. His, his left hand was landing super hard. He was pushing Patty up against the cage. Uh, he was doing things to get inside where Patty was throwing stuff and missing it, right? So Jared was avoiding to get inside to land his own shit. And again, Patty had some moments. He landed a few nice uppercuts. Mm-hmm. You know, he had some nice kicks. Jared Gordon won that fucking fight last night. The eye yeah. test. Unanimously. Everything else. <laughs> and they said that <laughs> Patty won it unanimously. I'm like, what? Yeah, th- this no, was two rounds to one for sure. Jared Gordon, to me, uh, Patty Pillman, I would give him a round. We you know maybe. Yeah, uh, one round. Sure, I would maybe give him a round, but Jared Gordon won there too. The wrong decision was made, but I know that's an unfortunate byproduct of this terrible judging system that we have sometimes. Jared Gordon got robbed. Patty Pimlin gets the UD uh, in that fight. And we're just going to leave that one there. Moving into 205 pounds, we had Magomed Ankalaya versus former champ Jan Blahovich. Now, I thought Jan was going to get annihilated. I thought Magomed was going to come out, glass a double leg, and just pound him out. I thought that was going to happen right away. Not at all the case. Jan Blahovich, the leg kicks, man. The leg kicks were the difference maker in this fight. Jan was landing those beautiful leg kicks. This wasn't like this incredible firefight. You know, they would both exchange. Then they would kind of step back and reset, kind of try to be more cerebral about it. But again, rounds one, two, and three. On the feet, you got to give the advantage to Jan Blahovich, dude. The leg kicks, he was landing a little bit harder. Again, I gave him the first three rounds. In the fourth, the tide totally turned. Magomed started taking Yang down. And when he took him down, he was landing ground and pound. He was holding top position. It was a good fourth round. And then the fifth, pure domination for Magomed. Yeah. Took him down right away, held him down, hit him more. Um, again, to me, this was three rounds to two, Jan Blahovich. Um, one of the judges gave it to Jan, one of the judges gave it to Magomed, and then the other judge had it as a draw. So this becomes a majority draw. So nobody wins a 205-pound belt. Now the belt's on the line between Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. That is so crazy. It's amazing. This sport is fucking amazing. You couldn't write this shit as, like... (laughs) You as like fiction, and it'd be like, oh, I don't know if that's really going to work out. But no, this is exactly what is happening. So we don't get a fucking finish last night. We don't get a new title list. So now. Well, and Jan didn't and even think won. that he won. Jan thought that Ankalaya won. He did raised Magomed's that... arm in the cage. <laughs> and did you see the interview with him? He was like, yeah, um, not, I don't know if I lost, but I know I didn't win. <laughs> Yeah, I think he that won. And I what thought that Ankalaev did enough to get it because he was so dominant in the rounds that he did win. And some of the other right. rounds were not dominant for Jan. So I, I, I don't know. It was it was crazy. Like the only two fights that went to decision, the decisions were kind of fucked. So. Fucked up. I know. Right? It's so funny. All right. Well, that's the end of our coverage from UFC 282. So let's go ahead and get our drop of the night. I'm going to lay this off with. I got Jerezino Rosenstrike with the sprinting left hand across the body on Chris Daukus's face. TKO in the first round for Jerezino. Biggie boy, Rosenstrike. That's my drop of the night. APB, do you differ in any way? No, of course that's the one I've got to pick. You, I mean, you can't not pick the running KO. I mean, it, it was just, <laughs> it was so fun. I loved it. Me too. And I, you know, as everybody knows, I'm such a huge heavyweight stand and I love heavyweight. That's my favorite division. But I did like some of the, there were some pretty funny jokes on the TL after that. Like, that's the perfect amount of time for a heavyweight fight to last. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish more people would do that. I wish more heavyweights 
or anybody would just come out there and just get it done. <laughs> don't don't wait around. <laughs> so funny. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our picks for next week's UFC Vegas 66. We're going to start out 125 pounds. I've got Amir Albazi beating Alessandro Costa by UD in that one. What about you, APB? I have Albazi with the rear naked choke in round two. APB loves her some finishes. All right. One fight I am super looking forward to. Drew Dober versus Bobby Green. I've got Drew Dober winning by TKO in the third round. What's your call on that one, APB? Well, I have Bobby Green winning by TKO in the third round. <laughs> he said that very pointedly. Well, I have Bobby <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving into 145, we have Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Julian Arosa. This could be a really good one, too. Um, I'm going with Alex Caceres by a very close UD in that one. What's your call? I have Arosa with the round three Darsh choke. Wow, that would be awesome. All yeah. right, moving into one another one, and we're all super stoked on Armand Sarukian versus Demir Ismagulov. I got a TKO in the second round for Armand. Um, that's going to be via knees to the body. Knees to the nice. body from the plumb position. Armand Sarukian over Demir Ismagulov. What's your call on that one, APB? I have Sarukian with the TKO in round three. All righty. We're going to move into our main event. We got Sean Strickland. Boo, Sean Strickland. Boo. <laughs> versus Jared Cannonier. Unfortunately, I do think Sean Strickland's going to get this one done. And I there think he's going to kind of. Yeah, I think he's going to bring Jared into into deep water and kind of make him tired because we all know Kennedy has amazing power, but yeah. he does kind of he does fade later. And I think Strickland, you know, he doesn't have big power. He just kind of he overwhelms you with accumulation. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just throws yeah. a lot of little, little little shots over and over. So I think he's going to wear Jared down. I think he's going to win by UD. So Sean Strickland, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope Jared sends him to the shadow realm, but like Alex Perea did. But I think it's going to be Sean Strickland by. Close UD over Jared. What about you? Well, I'm hoping that Sean is not fully recovered from his last fight. And <laughs> I am I'm picking Cannoneer with a round one KO. So maybe he won't have to tie or maybe he'll just come in and, and blast him. Maybe another That's running KO. Awesome. That would be great. Babe, another one, two running KOs in two weeks. That'd be amazing. All right. So that's going to be our picks for Vegas 66. Let's go ahead and get into our Q&A with some homies from the Rhino gang. Let's go with our first one coming from the big homie, Jim Asood. OG, what do you got for us this week, dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino gang. Hope y'all are doing well. Wow. What a finale for 282. <laughs> Who are they handpicking for Patty next, do you think? Also, what do you think of the UFC booking Glover Hill for the vacant title in Brazil? And you know it's always 420, kids. <laughs> so, you're, first of all, your Jim Masood is amazing. That's, let's put that out there to be given. Second of all, I think next for Patty should be the winner of next week's Drew Dober versus Bobby Green fight, dude. So you keep pushing Patty to be this big star, right? Well, if you're going to do that, you got to keep moving him up the ladder. You can't just leave him at the bottom. You know what I mean? We saw it with Sean O'Malley. Eventually, you got to push him up. So I would think that would be his first uh, shot in the top 15 at 155 pounds. So, yeah, let's go Patty the Batty versus the winner of Drew Dober versus Bobby King Green. And, you know, that'll we'll see. That'll be a big test for him. We'll see what can go from there. Just whoever he fights next, just make sure you don't leave it to the judges. Let's just put that out there right now. Okay. Part two, of course, I love this fight so much, dude. I am a major Glover Teixeira fan. I have been for forever because I was a huge Chuck fan way back in the day. And Glover actually came over way back in the early 2000s um, and was a training partner of Chuck Liddell at the pit. So I've been hearing about this guy for forever, and I can't believe he's still fighting. He's still fighting at this level, just recently the champ. He's, he's in the over 40 club, which you know I love. All that being said, Jamal Hill is not only from Michigan, where I'm from and I'm hugely proud of. But he would be the first Rhino Gang member to hold a current UFC title. And holy shit, I just can't pass that up. So we're riding all day with Jamal Hill on this one. Sweet dreams. TKO in the fourth round in Brazil. Glover's home country. Over <laughs> fucking, I, I, I mean, I can't. I'm over the moon about it. I want Jamal Hill to win fourth round. TKO on the feet in Brazil, over over to share for the title. That's my answer on that one. That's what I think about that one, Jim. Thank you so much for asking that one, my dude. All right, let's go to our homie, the Dean Dog, the motorcycle riding madman. Dean Dog, what do you got for us this week, brother? Dean Dog says, 
The fan in me is still pissed about the way the fights ended last night. Judges suck. But the overall card <laughs> the overall card was a great way to end the year. Some great finishes. What was your favorite? Most dominant, most impressive. Have a happy holiday break. What's your favorite holiday treat? A lot of questions. Okay. There for you. <laughs> yeah. He really crammed four questions into that little <laughs> He segment. did. Awesome. So good ups, big ups to you, Dean Dog. All right. So my favorite, and I think it was yours too, TJ Brown getting the fucking submission victory for the Rhino Gang. TJ Brown, for sure, was my favorite uh, outcome from last night. The most dominant for me was was Rosenstrike, dude. Like he didn't get touched and he annihilated uh Daukus in the first fucking twenty three seconds. That was the most dominant. The most impressive has got to be Ilya Topuria over the previous yeah. beaten Bryce Mitchell. I mean that's the most impressive. The way that he just went right through him. Um yeah most impressive for sure. My favorite holiday treat now this one I love because and I don't remember if it, if I had if I answered this or talked about this on Juice's show or if I answered a question from him on my show and talked about it but it's the, it, it's there's only one answer. My mother, since I'm a little kid, only makes these treats once a year, and it's at Christmas time. And it's the simplest no bakes ever. It is cornflakes with melted Hershey bars with almonds. You mix the shit together. You put it in a cookie form. You lay it out to no bake and dry. They are Yum. the greatest, chocolatiest, most crunchy, awesome no bake uh, cookies in the whole world. My mom's fucking Christmas no bakes are by far and away my favorite treat. I love them. I will never not love them. And yeah, so that's my answer. That one, D Dog. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get in our third question, which comes from the homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for us this week, dude? Doc says, "What fight on next week's card do you think has the best chance to be a fight of the night?" I can never, I know we talked about this a few shows ago, but I can never not hear when you say Doc says is Rock says from the WWF. <laughs> yeah. Rock says. Every time it gets me. All right. <clears throat> so what do we, uh, what, biggest for, uh, potential for fight of the night next week? All right. Yeah, dude. I already talked about it a couple of times. I know the first one would be like Sarukian versus Is- Isamogulov, but I'm going with Dober versus Green. I think these guys are so well matched. Yeah, that was going to be good. Dude, they're so tough. They're so skilled. They're so durable. They're both so experienced. And they are, again, they are so evenly matched. I don't see this going any other way but being a really close, competitive, back-and-forth fight. So, yeah, dude, that's that's my answer on that one. It's definitely Drew Dober versus Bobby Green for sure. All right, thank you very much, Doc. Let's get in our homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. RSP, what do you got for us this week, dude? RSP says, we all know that referee Keith Peterson is no nonsense and that you have a great nickname for Chris Tognoni. What do you think are some appropriate nicknames of some of the other top tier MMA referees? So, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I call Chris Tognoni uh, ASMR ref because he's always talking like this. And he's trying to really get to be calm with you. <laughs> And he wants to let you know you're doing a really good job in there. <laughs> um, so that, that's it. But, but yeah, so I came up with a few for some of the other guys. So Jason Herzog, I have named Jason Abercrombie and Fitch Herzog. He's <laughs> just got that really preppy, handsome look to him. You know what I mean? Like things are always kind of just came, came easily for him. <laughs> I'm not saying they did. That's just kind of what he looks like. He's just a handsome guy. So yeah, Jason Abercrombie and Fitch Herzog for that one. Um, for this one was easy. Mikey the Mighty Mustache Beltron, because my God, the guy's mustache is down to his fucking belt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> uh, I love this one. Mark, I don't give a fuck who you think you are, Conor McGregor, but get the fuck out of my cage, Goddard. And I always remember- <laughs> love it. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember the uh, Bellator incident from a few years ago when Conor jumped in the cage with his teammate Juan and Goddard fucking pushed him off and told him to get the fuck out of the cage. And Conor got all mad at him. I love that one. So, yes. Mark, I don't give a fuck who you think you are, Connor, but get the fuck out of my cage, Goddard, is uh, his nickname. It may be a little long, but it's worth it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then lastly, we're going to go Herb, way too early or way too late, D. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's either a hair trigger pull of uh, <laughs> stop, stop, stop after like hardly anything's going on or like the guy is getting beaten half to a pulp. But he's like, okay, I guess I'll stop it. So, yes. <laughs> Those are my answers. Or he stops it and then he changes his mind. He does that too. Uh, He like pretend stops it. Herb herb indecisive. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> so yeah, way too early or way too late. That's why on that one. So yeah, great question, RSP as always. Hope you feel better very soon, my dude. All right, let's get into another one of our homies from Canada, Decrons. Decrons, what do you got for us this week, dude? Decron says, "I'm looking at anything to keep it out of the judges' hands. In the event of a draw, how do you feel about adding an extra round? Much love, Rhino Gang." So this kind of stems from the uh, Ultimate Fighter, right? Where you have you have two rounds, and then if they're tied, they go to what they call sudden victory, and then you fight it out for there. But that's only two rounds, right? And then you like a bonus round is the third round. Our guys in the UFC are already fighting for three rounds. And in the cases of main events or fucking title fights, five rounds. I think it's too much to ask somebody who's or two guys who have already gone either three or especially five rounds to go do another round, right? Where it's like for all the marbles inside that five minutes. So again, I think for now, anyway, until I could come up with or we could come up with something else, that would be a, a good solution to this problem. You just got to accept the draws. I mean, really, I hate that some of these judges' decisions, especially as of late. Believe me, I'm right there with you, D-Cross. I know most of us are. But I feel like asking the fighters to go another round after they've already put everything into whatever fight they had, whether it was three or five, it's just too much to ask them. It's too much toll in their body. It's extra damage, especially when they're that tired. So, yeah, I don't know if that's the right move, um, and I don't know what a better one would be. So we're going to have to really think about this and work on this um, <laughs> problem, right? Because it is a problem, and I want it out of the judges' hands as often as we can as well. But we did get kind of lucky last night. What, 10 out of the 12 fights were were finishes? So yeah. we can keep that going. We're going to be good. It was so good. They're, they they oh did they tried. They did good. The fighters. Yeah, I agree. The judge, and then the judges <laughs> fucked up, like always. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, D-Crons, thank you so much, my brother. We really appreciate it. And then uh, we got one more write-in question, which comes from our graphic designer himself, the ISN of graphic design, Dave Fretz, also from up in Canada Way. Dave Fretz, what do you got for us this week, dude? Dave says, Rhino, what are your thoughts on having a 17 to 18-year-old in the UFC? It certainly feels like Raul Rosas Jr. belongs there technically and with confidence, but I feel like I worry about outside the cage and what this might present to a kid in terms of life pressure. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> so first of all, I do, and I'm, and I'm thankful for this. I think this is the exception, not the rule. I think there are very few 18-year-olds who are going to, first of all, you need to be 18. You, I don't, I don't I don't want any 17-year-olds getting into the fucking UFC. 18's an adult. You're an 18. You can make it. You know, that's the same thing with pro boxing. In the United States, you got to be 18, right? So if you're 18 and you are really, really good and you have a really long, you know, um, amateur career, you know, at least 5, 10 fights, and you are really high level and you're training at a good gym, I'm okay with you going. If you're really good enough, I'm okay with you getting into the UFC at 18. But, and here's a big but, I don't want it to get to a point where kids are literally in high school, like, you know, trying to join in the Amis at like 15 and thinking as soon as they graduate, they'll be able to make it to the UFC because they can't yeah. and they won't. You know, this kid is a this kid is a very rare, special situation. Also, another thing about um, Raul is that he seems to have a very solid family unit, a very big support system, a network of people who are actually looking out for him and care for him. So he's, again, another unique situation where he's got all that support behind him. I don't think everybody else does, right? So I really don't want some 18 and 19-year-olds running around really thinking they're like, okay, I'm just going to work at the gas station all day, pay for my crappy little apartment, and then train all the time, and I'm going to make it to the UFC. Like, they put all their eggs in that basket. Like, no, dude, go to college. You know, be training. That's fine. Turn pro. I mean, that's fine, too. But keep your job. Keep going to school. Keep doing the other things because I don't think the – I don't think the big – you know, gold pot at the end of the rainbow is going to be there for many kids that young to make it into the UFC at the highest level, right? I just, I just want to say, and this is in particular on the male side. I think on the female side, it's it might be a little bit um, it might be a little bit more even for like an 18 or a 19 year old to get in there with like a 30 year old. I just think it is like physically it's a little bit more even. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing it as bad there. But again, I really want it to be at least 18. But I'm thinking more like 21, right? That's really where I, I would. Like to see yeah, I would prefer if they were in their 20s at least, because you know the, especially the male brain, the frontal lobe isn't fully developed until you're in your 20s. So if you come in at like 17 and 18 and you take a lot of head damage, 
you're even more screwed than you already would have been, you know, because your brain is not fully developed and you're taking all that damage. So luckily, too, for him that he didn't take any. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a big kid for 135. You know he's going to grow. He's probably going to end up at 45 or even 55 going through. So, again, I, I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. I think he's the exception, not the rule, and I'm thankful for that. In, in, in addition to the outside pressures and whatever else going on, just from a physical standpoint, I don't think we're going to see this very often, and I'm, and I'm appreciative of that. So, great question, as always, and another banger poster of Evan Holy shit, Dave. Unbelievable stuff. Great, great question and great poster. Once again, my dude. All right. Let's get into our lone uh, voicemail because Juice has the magic. Let's get into the Juicy Fruit Baby from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you have for us this week, dude? What's up, Rhino? You know who this is and what I do. Coming at you with a voice question this week about the Hall of Fame. Just curious because we don't really have one in MMA. We have the UFC Hall of Fame and it is just an uh, hallway, like literally a hallway of fame in the fucking PI at UFC headquarters. And I want a real MMA fame, MMA Hall of Fame that com- that really celebrates the history of our sport. I want fucking one of Hoist Gracie's geese in there. I want Sakuraba's orange ass shorts, some Fedor gloves, you know, like shit like that memorabilia that celebrates the history of the sport and commemorates the legends who helped build the sport. What are your thoughts on that? Um, where would you like to see like an actual building like they have in Cooperstown for baseball or whatever the fuck? And uh, what would you put in there? Yes, dude. I've definitely talked about this before. Um, I don't know if it was on air or not, but like just like the other major sports, dude, the MMA world should definitely have like a brick and mortar hall of fame. It's got to be in or near Las Vegas, right? Because that's where the mass majority of the biggest fights have happened. Uh, there's got to be pictures and memorabilia, some fan interactive displays, etc. right? There definitely has to be some Hoist Gracie stuff there. Uh, some Chuck Liddell stuff, some Mark Coleman, Randy the Natural Couture, Anderson Silva, of course, right? Uh, Matt Hughes, even though I'm not a big fan of his, he was very instrumental in bringing the sport you know, forward. Obviously, like... There's to be some gym stuff, like some early MFS stuff would be really, really cool. Some AKA um, things, like some of those gyms that really kind of began what MMA and the UFC really turned into, right? They should be represented. Of course, tough. There should be a lot of tough displays because tough has been such a, you know, a big part of bringing this to the masses, right? The Ultimate Fighter season one, not just the fight in the finale, which was so great, but just that whole season of bringing these guys onto our TV screens as themselves, not just as these fighters, but as just human beings, I think was a major step forward in making this more marketable for the and palatable for, for like mainstream America. So there's gotta be a lot of tough uh, displays in there as well. I definitely hope there's some, not just UFC, but like, <clears throat> I would like there to be a, an MMA hall of fame, not just UFC, but like an MMA, like an international MMA. So you have some pride stuff and some rise and stuff and some old Valley Tudo shit, right? Like, that'd be really cool. But I definitely would hope there would be some WEC stuff as well, because that really was the catalyst for getting the smaller weight classes seen because some people listening are, are not even old enough to remember, but there was no small weight classes back in the day, dude, 155. That was the smallest that the UFC went early on. So without guys like Uriah Faber, you know what I mean? And there, there wouldn't have been the lower weight classes brought in. So, yeah. And, of course, some Invicta stuff as well. You know, some old Strike Force stuff. Yeah, there's some really cool shit that could get put into that. So, yeah, I would love to see a Hall of Fame, a brick-and-mortar, actual building. UFC maybe, but, like, really, I would really want to see more like an uh, MMA Hall of Fame. So, Juicy Fruit Baby, that was awesome. Uh, definitely check out Juice on the Friendly Sparring Pod. Too much fun over there. So thank you very much, Juicy Fruit Baby. All right. We are done with our Q&A for this week. Let's go ahead and do our 10 rounds of Rhino with UFC 155-er Evan the Phenom Elder after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Design. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. 
You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, Fight Fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino Wars this week. 7-1, UFC welterweight. Evan, the Phenom Elder is here. Evan, thank you so much for joining us tonight, sir. Thank you so much for having me, man. Pleasure to be on. Oh, dude, we are so stoked to have you on, Broski. So basically, Evan, round one with Rhino was always the same. I love hearing the origin story. What's the background story of how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude? <laughs> well, uh, you know, actually, I guess I got started. Uh, it, the, the dream started uh, back when I was about six years old. Me and my uh, dad used to always watch the UFC fights together, man. He was a huge fan. And, uh, uh, you know, we just always, you know, we kind of came up with this dream of like, man, that would be amazing one day if that was me. So, like, ever since I was like six, year old, six years old, I always said, you know, one day I'm going to be a champion in the UFC. And, uh, you know, it started there. And then uh, my dad being a slightly knowledgeable MMA fan, um, you know, he wanted me to wait until I had some sort of a wrestling background, but our my school didn't offer wrestling until seventh grade. So uh, I wrestled my seventh and eighth grade year. And then after that, uh, he found me an MMA gym and uh, I just stayed with it ever since then. So here we are. Yeah, that's so badass, dude. You're part of that generation of people who just, you know, were MMA really, really early on. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the guys that now who are age 20 to 27 ish you guys just fucking started mma real early and have been mma progression the whole way through and it really has been paying off dividends for a lot of you guys so that's a fucking great background story dude so your next fight is at ufc fight night on february 18th your opponent that night is nazim shadikov what if anything do you know about him or do you even watch tape or do you kind of leave that to your coaches have you seen anything on this dude yeah, yeah, no, actually, uh, funny enough, I just went back home real quick for a quick visit uh, before uh, I came back and started getting dialed in for this fight, um, and me and my dad actually went through and watched all of his fights that we could find and, uh, you know, did a little breakdown, some film study, and and uh, gathered uh, somewhat of a game plan on him, and, uh, you know, he's a, he's a tough southpaw. Um, this fight is actually at lightweight where, uh, that's actually my, my normal weight class, but my only fight in the UFC was up a weight class because. Oh, okay. So topology, topology has you at welter. So yeah, yeah. It was, it was because that, I got you, broski. Yeah. My last fight was at welterweight, but it was just short notice. Uh, so it was up a weight class. Um, so I'm usually a, uh, lightweight and that's where I'll be back down to, uh, for this fight. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, man, he's, he's tough, man. I'm very excited about this fight. I think it's going to be a great fight, uh, to, uh, showcase my skills, man, because he's going to try to come straight forward. He's Southpaw, uh, likes to keep a good high tight guard and, uh, march people down and, uh, put the pressure on them and, and, uh, you know, put, put some strikes on him. He's, he's aggressive. He's uh pretty decent everywhere. Comes out of a good gym, you know, so the dude's tough, man. It's, it's going to be a good fight, but, uh, you know, anybody at this level is going to be well-rounded tough everywhere you know so um i would expect nothing less and uh um i can't wait to you know show my skills against another uh skilled opponent and do it right Ab absolutely dude well like you said you had a short notice for your ufc debut last april um it's it's difficult when you're put in that situation there's a lot that goes into a short notice fight it's kind of a scramble mode all the medicals all the travel all those things have to kind of get all done in a really short amount of time but did you were you able to drink in it at all dude you know kind of go back to like harken back to that six-year-old who was watching the ufc be like holy shit i'm now part of this ufc and if so like did is there anything stick out as far as your memory goes as far as that experience 
Man, I, uh, you know, to be completely truthful, um, that's that's what happened in the fight was uh, I let the experience get to me. Uh, I let the moment get the best of me, you know, so I definitely let my nerves get me. And uh, it was exactly for that reason of like, man, I'm so happy to be here. Like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Like, this is my uh, lifelong dream, you know, making it to the UFC and uh, um uh, I was just so consumed by doing all of the fight week stuff and, uh, because it was so short notice, it was so hectic. It was crazy trying to fly out there on a couple days notice. I had to get all my medicals done in one day. And then I had poster signings and, and, um, uh, gear check and, and, uh, wardrobe and, and, uh, media, you know, like pictures, yeah. and videos and, uh, a shit ton of paperwork. Um, but, uh, you know, so it was, you know, it was just a lot of stuff going on. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I have to fight. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, wow, I still have to do this, too. I forgot about that. <laughs> so I got in the cage and I just had, you know, my I had a bad adrenaline dump and uh, let the moment get the best of me. But, um, you know, I said before the fight, uh, I was like this is it, bro. You, you know, I was super excited and, uh, you know, we, we freaking finally made it to the UFC and, uh, it's going to go one or one or two ways. You know, you're going to come out here and shock the world, or you're going to get to show how tough you are because, uh, you know, I, I, I knew, you know, um, uh, I, I haven't gotten to, I haven't gotten to show that side of me yet. You know, I haven't, I haven't taken too many, uh, I, I've had no losses other than that as a pro, but, um, right. uh, not too many whoopings I've had, I've had to take, but, um, I know that, uh, that's one of my specialties is, uh, able to endure and, and persevere. So, um, I, I knew going into the fight, I was like, you know, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get to, uh, shock the world or show how tough you are. And, uh, unfortunately it was the later of the two, uh, so I got to got to show my toughness. Well, and you also got the experience of getting that one under your belt, right? This next one is going to be plenty of time to prepare. You're going to know who your opponent is. It's going to be your normal 155 pound weight class. I mean, all these other things are going to kind of be in your favor on that side of the coin. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, again, it's one of those deals where a lot of us have been through that in the program, a short notice thing. Not quite to that level of a fucking UFC fight. However, it's something that you got done and we can fucking, you know, you can move on forward and use Use what you learned for this next one. You know what I'm saying? Bro, so. abs dude, absolutely, man. I, I literally, I'm not even kidding. Uh, it's so funny the way that uh, God works, man. It, you know, he, uh, I really, looking back now, hindsight's always 2020, but uh, I don't think that could have gone any better for me. You know, I, I didn't, you know, the way that, how much I've learned from that experience is just priceless. And, yeah. uh, and I, I can't wait to, uh, you know, get to show some of what I've, uh, gotten to take in from that loss and, uh, put into action. No, dude, I that makes total sense to me. 100% dude. Now, when you're looking at your past fights, you've won in a ton of different ways, dude, you know, striking submissions, pretty much everything across the board. Is there one that sticks out for you? Is there one of those fights or one of those finishes that you were like, maybe you had beef with the opponent or maybe you just like the style of how it worked out. But like, is any one of those finishes stick out for you, bro? Um, I had a 20 second head kick knockout for like my sixth or something like that pro fight. And, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, no, man, you know, honestly, I, uh, um, you know, I hate to be this guy, but I'm just like, you know, never satisfied. So just, uh, I'm always like on to the next. And, uh, I, I just always know that I could be uh, doing more and, uh, be better. So I'm, uh, I'm very happy with the way everything's always gone, but uh, never satisfied. So, uh, you know, no, it, I, I don't really have any any specific victory that like really stands out because uh, to me, that's uh, that's to be expected. You know, I, I work hard to uh, uh, for that reason. And uh, so it's not like really any of them were uh, uh, anything too crazy. You know? And right, I, like dude. That I always just always know that it could have been better. So. Absolutely. And have you ever seen um have you ever seen Blades of Glory with Will Farrell? Yeah. Remember when he goes, I am never satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Will Farrell was my favorite actor. Oh god, it's so funny because he soon said, like, I am never satisfied. I'm like, I just thought of that fucking scene. It's so funny. I am never That's satisfied. Awesome. I'm it's never satisfied. The bear. <laughs> So, dude, the phenom, you gotta tell us where you picked up that nickname and who gave it to you. It's awesome. 
<laughs> Thank you, brother. That's uh, it's a it's a funny story. I uh, whenever uh, I was 15, I had my very first kickboxing match and uh, um, fought this kid that was like 23, and he was supposed to be pretty good. I uh, and I ended up like head kicked, uh, KOing him in the second round. Um, I guess actually not technically. I, I dropped him with a head kick, and he got back up, and then I finished him right away. But uh, so. Uh, but anyways, I, I beat this guy in the second round and, uh, the local, um, uh, MMA reporters, uh, called knuckle junkies. They, uh, did a little write up on, on the, on my fight and they called, they said, uh, 15 year old phenom Evan elder, uh, defeats so-and-so I can't, I can't quite remember the guy's name. Right. But, uh, you know, ever since then, every single time that they would write about me, they would refer to me as the phenom, you know, and since they were the local reporters, they would, uh, write on all the local events. So every time I fought, they always, they always called me the phenom, but I never really adopted the name. I just always fought as Evan Elder. And then, uh, whenever I was 19, um, so around, around the time, right when I turned 19, I was wanting to move to California to go get some different training. I'd only been training at the the same gym that I started at and wanted to go travel and try something new. <clears throat> so I, uh, was trying to, uh, trying to go somewhere else, but I also knew that that would take a lot of money and I had none of that. So I was like looking for, uh, I was trying to uh, raise some money. So I was going to make some t-shirts as a fundraiser, try to sell a bunch of shirts to get me out. Sure. There. So uh, I was like, I don't know what to put on these shirts, though. And everybody was like, well, put you, put something about your, your fight name or something. I was like, I don't have one. And they were like, well, what does everybody call you? And I was like, started thinking about it. And I was like, well, Knuckle Junkies just called me the Phenom since I was like 15. And everybody was like, dude, that's awesome. You should have been using that the whole time. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where the, the the origin story of that, um, you know, and I just went with it ever since then. So been the Phenom for uh uh, I guess for since I was 15, but I didn't really. 10 years, man. 10, a decade of phenomness. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, you were only 25 years old. Uh, you had your first Amy fight way back in 2015, as far as MMA goes. So, like, you were just an 18 year old kid at the time. I mean, I know you were kickboxing prior to that, but you were just an 18 year old kid in the, uh, in the MMA scene. Now, you've got seven years of experience since then. If you could kind of go back and corner that 18 year old version of you before you went out there, what would you kind of let you know? Like, like, dude, remember this or think about this or, you know, do you have any advice for that 18 year old fighter just starting out? Yeah, man. Uh, you do this shit every day at practice. It's not that different. Don't, don't treat it like it's some grandiosis thing that's about to happen. You know, we, we, we give the, the fight too much credit because, uh, uh, we make it to be, especially myself, because I do really look at it as, uh, um, pretty uh you know it, it's everything you know to me it's everything so i i put it on such a high pedestal and look at it so different than than uh you know it doesn't seem like it's just training but it really is we practice this shit every single day day in and day out and uh you know don't let your nerves get the most of you you know keep your mind calm and treat it like it's another day of practice you're just going to go really hard and uh you know be willing to give it all but um yeah that would probably be the biggest thing is because calming your nerves and and settling your mind before the fight is super crucial uh from what i've found out and uh i've always like treated it like it was this crazy thing like i got so hyped up and um you know i still and that's okay too you know i still like it and hyped up but I, d- I was over the top about it like i thought that's what you had to do i was like that way whenever i got in the cage i was like there was I was not there. I was so, so my mind was going so crazy. And, uh, you know, I just, I just didn't have good control of my mind. So I've been focusing a ton on that, uh, these last couple of years and, uh, made a lot of, um, a lot of improvements, but, uh, that's why I was very frustrated for this last fight that I actually let my nerves really get me. Um, you know, but it is what it is. And, and like I said, I'm very thankful for that, uh, for that experience, for that, uh, that learning lesson, because, uh, it was exactly that. I definitely learned a ton, but yeah, I would, uh, that's, that's what I would be telling myself corner and me, man, just freaking stay relaxed. And, uh, uh, this is just another day of practice, man. Just, uh, just going full speed. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir, dude. I was a wreck 48 hours or more before a fight, uh, in the back. Like I just, I had, I'm also one of those people, dude. I just, I would get so tense and so nervous, not because I was afraid of their guy, but I was afraid of not performing well. Exactly. I I wanted to make sure I fought. Like you just had this six week camp at the gym and you're feeling so sharp and you're feeling good and everything's fucking coming together. And then you don't want to go out there and shit the bed, um, in front of all your friends and your family. So that was what I was worried about too. And, 
Um, so yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely, I understand it. And I know people are more vocal about it now. You know what I mean? It's, it's better that we talk about that now about the, like the, the mental game, the, the way to calm yourself down to the, the handling the nerves, because there's always the nerves. I mean, look at fucking the movie Rocky, you know, where he was like, you got Frankie fear. You know what I mean? You got to fucking be able to harness it. Um, and then, and use it to your advantage. Don't let it overwhelm you, which has happened to all of us, dude, all of us yeah. have been overwhelmed in a fight. And it, it is absolutely a great fucking piece of advice that you would give. Uh, and just life in general, man, life yeah. in general, because that's why, that's why I love fighting so much, man, is, is, uh, I think it's the most analogous thing to life, the most closely relatable thing to life, because, uh, I mean, how, how, how true is that for almost every, I mean, I bet every single person that's ever taken a risk of doing anything can relate to that of like that fear of failure or not performing or the what ifs what's going to happen. And then a lot of times it allows us to talk ourselves out of taking this opportunity, which, which could have been something great, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, the real reason I love fighting, man, is, is it's, it's just, I think it, you know, on top of, uh, it being an amazing sport, uh, you know, like I said, I think, I think it just gets you more prepared for life than anything else because life itself is a fight and you have to, all these things that we practice, all these skills, especially mentally, um, are directly applicable to the outside world, you know, on and off the mat. So, um, you know, I, I think that would be a good, uh, I think that would be a good piece of advice for almost anybody going into any endeavor that is uh, might be a little bit fearful of like, hey, don't worry about it. Like all you can do is do your best. I know it's cliche, but like like as long as you go out there and try your hardest and uh, and you truly prepared yourself for this moment, you shouldn't be nervous because it's going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. Whether you win or lose doesn't matter. Just go out there and uh, perform at your best. But to do that, you usually need to be in a clear state of mind. You know. And fighting is such a fighting is such a heightened version of that because not only exactly. Of course, our coaches and our teammates are there with us, but they're not in there with us. So you yeah. are exposed. You are by yourself. You have to rely on you and you alone. And 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 it's one of those deals where it's like that's where I think the super intensity of the anxiety comes from because you don't have a team to work with you don't have like in football you got 10 year buddies out there you know like i remember matt hughes famously said in account especially he's like yeah football players are super tough and they're really athletic and they have all these great things about them but you're never alone combat yep. sports is when you are absolutely by yourself and you have only rely on yourself so yeah it, it's a really it's a really important aspect is to get on to that man we really went hard on that question all right we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna move forward on this one dude so this was a little bit more fun. So what are some things that the Phenom likes to do away from training, away from the cage, away from the fight world, just completely something different to decompress, take your mind off things, really was something you like to do for fun, dude. You know, to be completely honest, man, I don't really have like a lot of hobbies or anything. Uh, you know, I used to play a ton of video games whenever I was young. Um, but uh, whenever I was about, um, when I was, uh, when I was about 21, uh, my purpose shifted from just being the best fighter I could be to being the best person I could be. And, uh, you know, that really made me take all of life a lot more serious. And, uh, I realized I was wasting a lot of time, um, not getting better in other areas. You know, I was only focused on being a good fighter. So, um, you know, now, uh, instead of just playing video games or kind of just relax and do whatever, whatever I want, I used to think, you know, outside, as long as I gave hundred percent of training, that's the only thing that matters. So I could do whatever I wanted outside the gym. And uh, I do not look at it that way now. So I tr try to really, you know, um, try to do anything that's going to benefit me and, uh, just make me a better person as far as, uh, you know, for, for, for me now, I, I really am trying to educate myself a little bit more because I had such a bad mindset for so long that I neglected, um, you know, I was, I was always like in school, you know, I was like, dude, this stuff is you know, a waste of time. I was like, I'm going to be yeah. the world. That's the only thing that matters. I don't need to learn any of this stuff. So now I'm like, Oh crap, I'm a freaking degenerate. <laughs> I, really need to, I was like, you know, like I really have a lot of time to make up. <clears throat> I really love listening to podcasts, uh, try to read books, uh, listen to audio books. Um, man, if I was home, I would, I would, I'm always trying to spend time with my family cause, uh, that's that's so important to me, but unfortunately, I'm always uh, far away. So, um, I wish that uh, I could take advantage of that more. But uh, unfortunately, that's part of the sacrifice of this game, man. Right. And, uh, you know, just one of many. But that's all right. It'll uh, it'll pay off, and uh, surely does. But um, yeah. Other than that, man, I uh, you know like to hang out with my teammates and, and watch the fights some uh, on the weekends. 
And uh, that's probably that's pretty much about it. I, uh, other than that, you know, most of my day is pretty consumed with, um, you know, I wake up, eat, go to the gym, uh, train for a couple hours, come home, eat, rest up, and then head back and do the same thing. And then at the end of the night, I'll usually go to the gym and do some recovery and uh, come in and hit the hit the bed. So yeah, uh, that's about you know six days a week. So. Um, <laughs> right. Not, not a lot of time for other stuff. <laughs> yeah, not too much, but you know, I don't, I don't ever personally, I don't ever really feel like I, uh, I, I don't ever feel burned out. You know, I remember being back home, everybody used to always tell me at the gym and stuff. They're like, dude, you're here way too much. You know, like you're going to, you're going to burn yourself out. And, uh, I always told them, I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. You know, oh, not, wait till you, Evan, wait yeah. till you hit 30. Wait till you hit yeah. 30, my man. That's a, that was the big, that was the big shift. Cause I felt like you felt the gym in my twenties too, dude. And as soon as I hit 30, I was like, you know, maybe I am going to take a little time off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but do it now, dude, take advantage of it. Now if you got the energy and you got the fucking, the mental toughness and everything's all fucking falling in place. I'd say, you know, do it up, bro. So you're doing it right. All Thank right. You. So you mentioned food. Now this is number nine. This is one of my most favorite questions. This is one of the listeners really get into as well. We all know we have to cut weight. It's just part of the game. It's part of what we have to do. We have to diet down. We got to cut weight to make our weight class. It's just how it works. Now, when we do that, we are depriving ourselves of some of our most favorite things to eat. So let's just put yourself in the mind frame of, I've already won the fight. I'm out with the friends, the family, the teammates. What are you really going to throw down on food-wise, and where are you getting it from, my dude? Well, dude, I used to go hard in that sense, and uh, uh, that was before I really cared about my nutrition a lot more. And, uh, uh, man, me and my dad, you know, my, my dad, my uh, uh, my stepdad especially, um, is uh, was usually the one that went with me to fights and stuff, and uh, ever since I was younger anyways, and um, we would always go to uh, – uh steak and shake after uh oh, after the fights because uh, it was one of the yeah. that was open late you know <laughs> yeah so, uh, man i'd get burgers and milkshakes and uh but you know for my first uh three pro fights um after the fight we went to steak and shake and i had you know i'd have like three four or five burgers and then like two milkshakes and uh it was just over the top you know i'd be drinking a dr pepper and uh but the next day i would throw up I would, yeah. I literally, you know, literally make myself sick. I did that three fights in a row and it finally hit me. I was like, dude, I got to stop doing this. Like this, that can't be good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, now I try to be much more reserved because, uh, it's just not worth it to me to feel so bad from, from eating bad. But, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I definitely enjoy myself, but, uh, I just, I just much more in moderation, you know, I'll have a cheat meal. That's not a, uh, you know, seven meals in one, but yeah. uh, I'll tell you what, Sushi is my favorite thing to eat, like all the time, regardless. <laughs> so that's probably what I'd be going for um, afterwards. But uh, um, other than that, man, uh, you know, a, like a good a good milkshake or like ice cream always sounds good after a fight. Uh, actually, you know what? Scratch all that. Screw everything okay. I said. Pancakes. Pancakes is the one thing that I'm always <laughs> like. That's my. That's what I want after a fight. For some reason, I'm like, it could be, it could be midnight. It could be one in the morning. It could be six in the morning. It doesn't matter. I, I'm like, I'll throw down on some pancakes right now. If, if, I'm not caring about what I'm, if I'm not caring about what I'm eating, I'm smacking some pancakes. Oh yeah, dude. Second week in a row, we got pancakes is the fucking answer. And I fucking love it. I'm all for it. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> who was I'm, the last I'm, one? Uh, Isaac Dolgarian. Uh, oh, Isaac's the man. Midwest, Midwest Choppa. He yeah, said uh, he he, he came down with pancakes too last week. Did I fucking we talked about pancakes for like five minutes? You know what's funny too is that he's a he's a beekeeper and he makes yeah, his own honey. Yeah. And I thought about it, I was like, you know, I really want to try some pancakes with some Isaac Dolgarian honey on the top. Mm. I think that would be a fucking taste. I bet that's treat. good. I bet it is too. I want to give that one a fucking shot. So his honey's we, good. I've had it. Have you really? Fuck, man. Everyone says that how good it is. And I'm like, I really want to try it. Um, so dude, we have careened our way into the 10th round, which is the easiest round of them all. Evan, just share your social medias with us. Somebody, not just, you know, my Rhino gang members, but like everybody who follows the show or who listens, we can all fucking get on board, follow you on social media. See, you had a great story tonight where you guys fucking had some post, uh, training sushi. It's just like you mentioned before. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us your, uh, give us your social medias, dude. Uh, my Instagram, which is, uh, my uh my usually where i'm I'm doing most of my posting is just uh at evan underscore elder underscore so 
Um, and then I think Twitter is at elder underscore Evan. Um, I think that's or, right. Yeah. At elder Evan at elder Evan. So, yeah. um, apparently there was an Evan elder that I already had <laughs> at Evan elder. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really don't use my Twitter much. I probably should. Um, I'm not really good at the social media stuff. I'm trying to get better at it. Cause uh, you're getting pretty good on the Instagram from my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, bro. Yeah. I've been, I have really been putting, putting a lot of work into that because, uh, unfortunately I, uh, realized that that is a big part of the, yeah. uh, big part of the business. And, uh, I would, uh, I would be doing myself a disservice if I wasn't trying to take advantage of that. So, um, you know, as much as I, I really, uh, hate to be, be, uh, you know, I, I don't really care for it that much. Um, but I know that it's, I just look at it as part of my job now. So exactly. It's an aspect of the game that you have to get on board with. If you want to have the full potential of sponsorship and fanfare and getting yeah. fights and people, you know, cheering for you, all that stuff, it's all part of it. I know it's not everybody's favorite, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, dude, no, it is right. awesome though, man. Uh, yeah, everybody can hit me up on there. And, uh, I love, I love, uh, trying to, uh, you know, I usually try to go through, uh, my messages as much as I can and, uh, you know, get back to everybody. So hit me up on there and, uh, I'll try to say what's up for sure. Absolutely. We'll do. We are all going to be riding with you on February the 18th, UFC fight night, lightweight, Evan, the phenom elder is going to be getting in the cage. Let's all fucking follow him, especially on Instagram and check out his stories and let's fucking cheer him on as he goes into that fucking fight, dude. And, uh, dude, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's late. You've already been training a bunch, but we really appreciate you taking the time to go 10 rounds around today, dude. And, uh, best of luck, best of skill on your next one, my brother. Thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure being here and, uh, uh, greatly appreciate it, brother. This is Evan, the phenom elder. And I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Evan, dude, thank you so much for taking the time. That was awesome. Can't wait to see your upcoming fight, bro. Uh, best of luck, best of skill, best of everything to you. Really, really had a great time talking to you, my guy. So thank you once again, Evan. Let's get in our shout-outs and our outros to the forum contributors, to the big homie Jim Asun, to Dean Dog, the motorcycle ride madman, to my homie the Doc, to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to D. Kranz, to Dave Fretz, not only the inside of Gravity Design and our, and our Gravity Designer, but... Asked a fire question this week by dude to the lone voice question. Did I say D Crons? Yeah, of course, it's D Crons too. To uh, the home of the juicy fruit baby from the friendly sparring pod for our lone voicemail. To Chisanga, Mari, Chrissy, Katie, Monica, Jillian, Jason from my underdog MMA peeps. To Jamal, the son of what is it? No, it's it's Jamal, the son of Thomas McTavish clan, who we affectionately always will know and love as Cyrus King. All the ladies of the PRG, to Fabian the Man of Mayhem, to Ashley the MMA Nerd, Chris from Unmatched MMA, Rat, Tom and Sandy, Miss Fight Diva, Kairos, Tempting Tory, Jessica from What's Up Weirdo, Pamela, Sammy, and of course my Rhino Gang GC family. Love you guys so much, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. Of course, to APB, the greatest person to come out of Arkansas ever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm saying it, and I'm saying it with my whole chest. To the feature play, Andrea. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. Of course, to Dave Fretz. Make sure you check him out on Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. The Iron Center of Design, for sure. A again, folks, we are getting close to the holiday season. It is right upon us. <clears throat> Remember, there are people in the world out there who probably don't talk to too many people very often. Maybe you got some friends or some family that are kind of a little bit more I don't know. They don't. They stand to themselves more often. Reach out to them. Give them a call. Give them a text. Give them a FaceTime. Let them know you're thinking of them. Not just you know during the holiday season, but all the time. But definitely try to do it this week. Next this week. Next week. Sometime in there. Um, you know, there's a lot of hate in the world, but we all know love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week, Kate. Son!